Welcome to Emily Rose Meditations. I'm your host, Emily, and today we'll be engaging Julian of Norwich to help us reckon with the overwhelm of our existence. This is the 52nd chapter of Julian of Norwich's long text entitled Revelations of Divine Love. Take a deep breath, and wherever you are, let your shoulders relax, let your attention settle, and I invite you to open your heart to these words. And so I saw that God rejoices that he is our father, and God rejoices that he is our mother, and God rejoices that he is our true spouse, and our soul is his much-loved bride, and Christ rejoices that he is our brother, and Jesus rejoices that he is our Savior. These are five great joys, as I understand it, in which he wishes us to rejoice, praising him, thanking him, loving him, endlessly blessing him. All people who shall be saved while they are in this world have in us a marvelous mixture of both weal and woe. We have in us our risen Lord Jesus, we have in us the misery of the harm of Adam's falling and dying. We are steadfastly protected by Christ, and by the touch of his grace, we are raised into sure trust of salvation. And by Adam's fall, our perceptions are so shattered in various ways, by sins and by different sufferings, that we are so darkened and blinded that we can hardly find any comfort. But inwardly, we wait for God and trust faithfully that we shall receive mercy and grace. And this is God's own operation within us. And in his goodness, he opens the eyes of our understanding. And by this, we gain sight, sometimes more and sometimes less, according to the ability that God gives us to receive it. And at one moment we are raised into weal, and at another we are allowed to fall into woe. And there is such a wonderful mixture within us that we hardly know how we ourselves or our fellow Christians stand because of the wonder of these varied feelings. But the same holy accord, which we accord to God when we feel him, truly wishing to be with him, with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, leads us to hate and despise our evil impulses and everything which might be the occasion of bodily or spiritual sin. Yet nevertheless, when this sweetness is hidden, we fall back into our blindness, and so into woe and tribulation in various ways. But then this is our comfort— that through our faith, we know that by the power of Jesus Christ, our protector, we never consent to it, but we are discontented with it and endure pain and woe, praying until the time when he shows himself to us again. And so we remain in this mixed state all the days of our life. But he wants us to have faith that he is unfailingly with us, and in three ways. He is with us in heaven, true man in his own person, drawing us upward. And that was shown in the holy thirst. And he is with us on earth, leading us. 
And that was shown in the third revelation, where I saw God in an instant. And he is with us in our souls, dwelling there forever, guiding and caring for us. And that was shown in the 16th revelation, as I shall describe. And so in the servant was shown the trouble and blindness of Adam's fall. And in the servant was shown the wisdom and goodness of God's son. And in the Lord was shown the sorrow and pity of Adam's woe. And in the Lord was shown the exalted magnificence and endless glory to which mankind attains through the power of the passion and the death of God's most loved son. For this reason, he rejoices greatly in his fall because of the great exaltation and fullness of bliss that mankind attains surpassing what we should have if he had not fallen. And so it was to see this surpassing magnificence that my understanding was led into God at the same time that I saw the servant fall. And so now we have reason for grief, because our sin is the cause of Christ's suffering. And we have reason for lasting joy, because endless love made him suffer. And therefore, the person who sees and feels the working of love through grace hates nothing but sin. For it seems to me that, of all things, love and hate are the hardest and most immeasurable contraries. And in spite of all this, I saw and understood that our Lord's meaning was that in this life, we may not keep from sin in such full and complete purity as we shall in heaven. But through grace, we may well keep ourselves from the sins which, as Holy Church teaches us, will lead us to eternal suffering, and avoid venial sin as far as our strength allows. And if, through our blindness and our wretchedness, we ever fall, we're taught to rise again quickly, recognizing the sweet touch of grace, and earnestly amend our life on the basis of Holy Church's teaching— according to the grievousness of the sin, and go at once to God in love. We should not, on the one hand, fall too low, inclining to despair, nor, on the other hand, be too reckless, as if we did not care, but should recognize our own weakness without concealment, knowing that we cannot stand even for the twinkling of an eye unless we are protected by grace, We should cling reverently to God, trusting in him alone, for man and God regard things in two quite different ways. It is proper for man humbly to accuse himself, and it is proper for God in his natural goodness kindly to excuse the man. These are the two aspects of the double expression with which the Lord watched the fall of his loved servant. The first was shown outwardly, very gentle and kind, with great sorrow and pity, and that was the aspect of eternal love. And the way our Lord wants us to accuse ourselves is this, earnestly and truly seeing and recognizing our fall and all the troubles that come with it, seeing and knowing that we can never make it good. But at the same time, we should earnestly and truly see and know the everlasting love which he has for us, 
and his abundant mercy. And seeing and knowing both together in this way is the humble self-accusation which our Lord asks of us. And where it exists, he himself has brought it about. And this is the lower level of man's life, and it was shown in the Lord's outward appearance. And I saw two aspects of the showing. One is man's pitiable fall. The other is the glorious atonement that our Lord has made for man. The second expression was shown inwardly. It was more elevated, but it was all one with the first. For the life and the virtue which we have on the lower level comes from the higher, and it comes down to us from our natural self-love through grace. Nothing comes between the first and the second, for all is one love. And this one blessed love now works doubly in us. For on the lower level, there are pains and passions, sorrows and pities, mercies and forgiveness, and many similar benefits. But on the higher level, there are none of these, but all one great love and wonderful joy. And in the wonderful joy, there is great compensation for all suffering. And in this, our good Lord showed not only our forgiveness, but also the glorious height to which he will bring us, turning all our guilt into endless glory. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, Julian tells us today why that might be. We contain multitudes. Jesus, Adam, joy, woe, warring desires. So I wonder, might we just dwell sit, float in this stew and ocean of our being? Could we allow our feelings, sufferings, and even the sins which make us stumble to wash around us and not drag us down? Could we float on amongst or perhaps even above all this cacophonous existence. Thank you for joining me today. The peace of Christ be with you.